When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There was a GQ article about the oral history of Revenge of the Nerds. And I think you said it that you saw like a crew member be taken away in handcuffs. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, there was a bust one night. There was a cop, I guess, who got assigned to us, which I didn't know a lot about. Some cop was like, I'm busting this scene, you know. So he cased us and tried to figure out what was going on. And one of the crew members was, you know, the, the one of the suppliers of a lot of the partying. And one night they staged a bust and he got arrested. That is the voice of Andrew Cassess, who played the role of Wormser in the classic 1984 comedy, Revenge of the Nerds. Nerds! 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 And yes, you've tuned into another episode of Comedy History 101, where we school you in comedy. I am Harmon Leon. Hello. How is everyone? Yes, Revenge of the Nerds is one of the most classic comedies of the 1980s. It's that classic tale of the nerds versus the jocks. And Andrew played the character Wormser, who was the child genius in the nerd fraternity Lambda Lambda Lambda. When I was in high school, I was thinking mostly of the uh, aerospace field. But then when I got into college, I decided that I wanted something a little more challenging. So um, I switched to computers. And we're going to be talking to him today about the history of Revenge of the Nerds. Nerds! 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 But before we jump into the episode, take some time to like, subscribe, and comment on Comedy History 101, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, a few quick plugs on Thursday, August 17th, 7 p.m. at Young Ethel's in Brooklyn. I will be producing my show, That 80s Improv Challenge. Yes, come out and see three improv teams compete by creating scenes based on movie clips, videos, and of course, fast food training videos from the 1980s. Also, on August 30th, we have our show Comedy Bites, AI versus Human Roast Battle. And that'll be taking place at 8 p.m. at Crystal Lake, also in Brooklyn. And as we slide into September, on September 1st, 7 p.m. at the Red Room, above the KGB bar in the Lower East Side, I'll be producing my show, Tale, NYC's Finest Storytelling. And now we're going to jump into the episode and a little bit of irony. Andrew played a child genius, but yet had a little bit of trouble logging on to the tech involved with Zoom. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. I'm trying to use the phone! 
Comedy History 101. I like that, you know, you played a tech genius in Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> a little trouble with tech. Well, you know, I'm troubleshooting it all. That's what it all comes down to. You learn how to troubleshoot. So this is actually, this looks like it's rough, but it's actually... Uh, I know what to do here, so. I know you as a musician from doing the tail show at the Red Room, and then yeah. I you know, I had you on the show, then did a deep dive into your IMDb page, and it's like, holy baloney, you know? Because <laughs> I, I used to work for a site called Dead of Geek and big fans of Revenge of the Nerds. Let, let's say uh, I was a space alien, just landed on the planet. How would you describe or explain the movie 1984 classic of Revenge of the Nerds. To a, I mean, to a space alien, it's hard to tell. I, you know, they have no context to the human life, but I guess he was, if you just want to have a little naughty fun and see what little wrongness, you know, a little outside the edges of fun would be, I would describe it like that. It's just a fun movie, baby, getting away with, getting away with some things that you uh, maybe shouldn't be getting away with. <laughs> just tell us the process of how you got the part. Like, how old were you at the time? And what other kind of stuff, like acting-wise, were you doing? Yeah, I was 11, and I was pretty early in my career. I had done some some significant work up until that point. Uh, I guess I got it into it at around 9 or 10 years old, so I was only, only still starting out, but I had done a Broadway show, which was my first really major gig. What, what, what was the show? It was a show called Nine. It was with Raul Julia and... and Lilian Montevecchi, Karen Akers, a bunch of amazing artists. It won the Tony for Best Musical. It was a great musical and really great score, great book. And so I was lucky enough to be a part of that, very spoiled to be a part of that at a young age. That sort of came about in, a, in an odd way. I got into the whole process. You know, I was a rambunctious kid, did a lot of energy and always singing a lot, very vocal and with that and doing acts. I would get called into my other teachers rooms to do like you know this act or that act that i would had had, had been doing a lot of steve martin stuff you had asked about uh, uh influences and things steve martin was a huge influence at that time or mid 70s mid to late 70s i was lucky enough to be exposed to some of his albums which were way ahead of you know anything i could understand really uh, a lot of jokes on there that i only got later on you know as i got older but i would do all the bits you know so one of the teachers, I think the music teacher suggested, oh, try out for this local play or whatever, and got a major part in that and and had a great time doing that. You know, started to become a thing, did another local play. And then my dad was like, hey, you know, maybe we should, you know, try to make something out of this. So a lot of his motivation that we ended up going into the city, trying to find an agent, did a lot of things wrong, did some things right, and somebody took pity on us and was like, you know, you're doing this all wrong. This is what you need to do, blah, 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 blah. And then met someone, someone named Coral Lee, who was a an agent and she, or a manager or somebody, and she was like, you know, there's this play that they're looking for a, a kid for. You know, you should try out for that. And so she arranged that meeting. She knew the people involved. And I went in and, and with little or no training, like I don't, I think I sang happy birthday. That's like a cliche <laughs> at an audition. Like if you don't have an audition, so I'll go just sing happy birthday. I was that green. I knew they liked me right from the top. So, you know, I got that part and it all turned into a whirlwind from there. It's, that's how I got into the, the business. That was the job that I did before that. And then I got an agent from that and nerds was just one of the, 
one of the uh, auditions that I was lucky to land. And where were you living? Were you like Long Island or or what? Yeah, yeah. Hatchog, Long Island, South Shore, about halfway out, about 60 miles out. So a little bit of a haul to come in. My mom did a lot of that heavy lifting, you know, the, the, the driving, you know, all through that. I would get taken out of class sometimes early. I had a like an audition for a commercial or something. And so it became a little bit of a thing, but it was, you know, it was great to, to, to leave school and, you know, not have to do that. But, but it was a fun, a fun time. And I'm 10 years old, nine years old, 10 years old. I don't know the difference. You know, it's all, it's all just an experience to me. So I was rolling with it. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. So you went from the Broadway play to reading for Revenge of the Nerds. Or was there a bunch of gigs in between that? Yeah, there was some commercials in between that, I think. I can't remember exactly. I did a, a commercial for a, a noodle company, Muller's Noodles. I don't remember exactly. I did I did a play, Christopher Blake. I think that was before Nerds, which was an interesting off-Broadway sort of experience, real intense experience of, of being a real actor and uh, and having some responsibility, you know. Uh, although you're the kid in the play, they don't give you that much to do. So that was a good experience, I would say. And what was the audition process like for nerds? Uh, did you have to read several times? And was there also known actors that were also up for the role? You know, I don't know who else was up for the role. That's an interesting question. I did read several times, but after the first reading, I really connected uh, Jeff. I think Jeff was in the first read. Maybe that was the second call. That might have been the second callback or the first callback, but Jeff knew the director, read with him. I don't remember, I may, maybe I read a little bit, I met with a casting director before that as a first audition, but I you know, was quickly brought in to see Jeff, and Jeff and I connected right away. He loved me, and he thought I was pretty sad, you're perfect for this role. He said, you were made for this role. So I really felt good about getting that. I think I might have had to read a few more times for a few other people, but, but I, I kind of felt like, you know, had a shoe in on it because Jeff definitely and I and I definitely connected. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's a classic sort of raunchy 80s comedy. What what was the reaction sort of like from your parents when they read the script? Because I watched it last night and there's more there's more boobs than I, I remember. <laughs> there's a very naughty film. Yeah, it's even very, worse than you were than anyone remembers. Yeah, they weren't too upset about the script. In retrospect, it's kind of odd. I guess it didn't read quite as naughty as it it really turned out to be. Uh, it read, you know, mostly charming, which it also is the downtrodden prevails kind of thing. So that, but I think that was a that was the what they focused on most. But there was definitely a sense of like during the production of oh, what are we going to let him see? You know, can we let him be in this scene? Is he, you know, how do we manage the kid being in, you know, around for this stuff? We have to sort of cloister him or sequester him a little bit here and there. The AD was always trying to you know, get me out of the, out of the universe and put me in school. He was obsessed with putting me in school, which, and then at some point I like, well, we had to log hours, you know, it's like you get, you're supposed to get three hours a day of tutoring, which is pretty easy. And then, so I would, I would just get a million hours of tutoring because he was always trying to get rid of me to make sure I wasn't seeing what was going on. So there was a lot of shit going on on the set. The, uh, the adults were definitely playing, uh, uh, you know, away from the, you know, the, when the cat's away, the mice will play kind of thing. The rest of the cast sort of took pity on me, though. They would hide me from him. They like, was like, oh, 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 Janie's coming. Just get in my, just get in the trailer. Just just go into my trailer. 
oh, you know, where's Andrew? I said, oh, no, we haven't seen him. I don't know. I think he went that way, that kind of thing. You know, and then he'd blow off. He'd be like, oh, yeah, come out. You can hang out with us again, kind of thing, which I thought was very cool. And I was like, oh, I'm in this little, I'm in this cool group of people here who are taking care of me. So it was like having older brothers around, kind of thing. Where are they? I think they're talking about us. No way. Oh, no! Yeah, you know, iconic cast. You got John Goodman. I didn't know James Cromwell was in it until I watched Hell it. Yeah. yeah, Succession <laughs> and also favorite from L.A. Confidential. Dudley in L.A. Uh, Confidential. Very got an Oscar for Babe, you know. He's, a, he's an amazing actor. He actually um, is originated the nerd laugh from that movie, he came up with that in his audition. And I remember watching his audition. They had the tape of it in the van sometimes on the way to set. Early on, they were watching. I was, look at Jamie's Jamie's audition. And he was they, would, they were commenting because he was so nervous in the audition. He was just sweating bullets and, you know, almost trembling, you know, in his speech. He was so nervous about it. But he was amazing. You know, he had this amazing pathos and... And he came up with the nerd laugh that then Bobby Carradine sort of tried to mimic and made it his own kind of thing. But that's that's where that came. But Jamie Cromwell came up with that. Yeah, I was just surprised to see him. I mean, he's just in the opening scene, but it's like, whoa, yeah. there you go. I'm trying to use the phone. Which of the cast members did you get along with most, or which did you really connect with? I connected with all of them. You know, it's hard to it's hard to pick favorites, but but they were all really like big brothers to me. Uh, it was a, it was a great experience. So you know, Bobby and 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 Tim and and Curtis, they were all sort of mentors to me. Yeah, I don't want to leave. I, sh- I shouldn't name anybody. So I don't want to leave anybody out. But everybody was was really cool. And uh, you know, Larry, I, did, I had a lot of scenes with Larry B. Scott, who played Lamar. And uh, so we spent a lot of time together. We did a whole thing where there was a whole rehearsal process before the filming, really. And we did a, you know, he wrote the rap, the nerds rap. There was a lot of choreography that went into the scene that we were going to do eventually. So we spent a lot of time choreographing all that stuff and working with the dance captain and and things like that, you know. So it was it was just a, a fun time, and everybody was super nice. And what, what what's like your favorite moment, both uh, in front of the camera and when the cameras weren't running? You know, I loved having the scene with the girls with the boobs. That was a, a fun time. I really got a chance to sort of be on, you know, be at the center of the whole thing, and 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 I thought, oh, this is great. You know, this is a lot of fun, and and I knew that monologue cold, so I just read it a, a few times, and and everybody loved it. There's a scene, there's a, there's some odd bits that I see when I when I see it. I get kicked in the face one time when we're doing the the, the panty raid. Uh, Larry's going up the rope or coming down the rope or whatever and sort of swings into my face. I actually take one in the face. Can't tell really in the final cut, but uh, but I, every time I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> that one, uh, that, that smarted a little bit. That was a fun night. There was a whole thing of like, oh, we're running around on the roof. I really liked doing that. That was a lot of fun. And, you know, just things like that. Nerds! 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 It was also a scene where, where, where we get confronted by the moves, not by the moves, by the, by the pies or whatever, or the alpha betas, they come and they, the way they send pigs into the, into the, 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 the dorm house, they ruin our party. And then we're all standing on the porch, which was a set. 
the director was just berating us the whole time. And it got so, it got ridiculous. I started to like feel uncomfortable about it. And I started laughing and I'm actually, I've actually laughed a little bit in the scene that in the take that they took, but it looks like I'm crying. So you can't tell really, you know? So it, it works both ways, but I know I'm like, I'm just like trying to hold it in because this is, it just got hilarious. Which like, I don't know why I, why I was struck by it, but I guess you get, you, you, your funny bone gets tickled once in a while. <laughs> were, were you, did you have prosthetic teeth or were those your teeth? No, those are my teeth. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm sorry. That, <laughs> so, sorry. I, like, like, I was just wondering, but you know. No, no, they 11. were my, my look at that time was extremely awkward. That was my hair. That was everything. I was just, you know, that's why Jeff loved me. I think he was like, this kid's just a complete misfit. He just has the look, you know, of a complete nerd, which I totally did. So I didn't still do. I'm still a nerdy guy, so. But it was just at that moment in time where right a few years before, it's like nerds are just going to be the tech billionaires. <laughs> and yeah. then it's like, the, it's all kind of like appreciate. turned on its head now. Yeah. Yeah. Being a nerd's not so, not so bad. It doesn't have quite the bad reputation that it does now. That it, that it um, yeah, yeah, it was oddly preaching. There was a GQ article about the oral history of uh, Revenge of the Nerds. And I think you said it that you saw like a crew member be taken away in handcuffs. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, there was a bust one night. A lot of like drugs and cocaine and partying going on. There was there was a cop, I guess, who got assigned to us, which I didn't know a lot about. But uh, some some cop was like, "I'm busting this fucking, I'm busting this scene," you know. So he cased us and tried to figure out what was going on. And one of the crew members was, you know, the, the one of the suppliers of a lot of the partying. And one night they staged a bust, and he got arrested. And I remember that I was supposed to be in my trailer. They kind of said, oh, I didn't know what was going on. It was like a week, like it was a night shoot. And so I just, just hang out in the trailer. But well, we're not filming. Like, what's going on? Like, something's up, you know? And I peeked out a few times and I saw one of the crew guys getting taken away in hand, getting cuffed and arrested. And and uh, it was pretty exciting. Was he back <laughs> the next day or is that it for him uh, for the shoot? He was back the next day. You know, I don't, that's a good question. It was late-ish in the filming. I don't think he returned. I don't remember him returning. What would you describe as the most 80s moment you've had during it? Because it's like, you know, again, it's like very 80s movie. And then, like you said, very 80s behind the scene as well with crew members in handcuffs. That would be the ultimate part of the experience. You know, that's when things really reached a fever pitch, uh, without a doubt. You know, I don't know if that's the most 80s I don't know how you define the, what the most 80s is, but that was certainly the most outrageous moment. You know, they, I guess Jeff had fought to have the movie not shot in LA. So he found a place in Arizona. We ended up shooting it in Tucson, Arizona. They had a sound stage where they did a lot of old Westerns and we found some locations around University of Arizona. But he had fought hard to get it out of LA because he was like, we can't make this movie the way we want to make it if you know the studio execs can just drop in you know all the time so there was a very there, so that was by design the idea that it was sort of a um sort of a uh a, 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 just a big frat party uh he can sort of you know conceived it that way and and knew had the wisdom to know that that we had to sort of be away from the parents in order to get away with what we wanted to get away with did you see it like right when it was released or 
Uh, when when did you see the first screening? Did you go like the premiere? I saw a premiere. I don't. I didn't go to the premiere. I don't think that might have been in L.A. But I saw it debut at a uh, a pretty big theater in Harlem. You know, I think that's where it was playing, or that's where it was opening up, whatever. And that was an interesting experience because first of all, I have like not only my parents but a lot of extended family. They were all very proud of it, so they invited everybody out. It's this dirty fucking movie. So I'm there with like all of my all of my parents and and elders and people like that. That was a little uncomfortable, maybe. We were also there in a predominantly black theater, black audience. I remember when at the end when UN Jefferson comes out and wags his finger and says, "Hey, hold it right there." All the uh, uh, lambdas, uh, the you know the other chapters of the lambdas come out and form a line. The fucking theater just lost its mind. Everybody like just erupted like like it was it was amazing it was absolutely amazing and so i feel lucky to have seen it in that context with that audience because they really appreciated it on a level that i really hadn't hadn't uh, thought of and they they appreciated that moment especially in a in a huge way it really it really resonated with everybody yeah i mean it's all about the underdog all about punching up yeah. you know and really. it's all about classic greek comedy where it's like you take on the powers that be 100 percent and when's the last time that you you have screened it? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, long time. I haven't seen it in a long time. It comes on TV once in a while, but maybe I don't really catch a scene of it. I'm a little, you know, I'm. I, I think there's a there's a thing in actors where you're a little embarrassed to watch yourself, or you look different than you think on screen or whatever. And especially that era of my life, so I don't necessarily uh, watch it when it comes on. But my dad always texts me. Uh, whenever he said, oh, hey, Red to the Nerds on HBO. I was like, oh, awesome, cool. You know, you guys watch it and you guys have a good time. Uh, but I have a copy of it too. I don't know. It's up there on DVD, but I don't I don't watch it too often. What, were you in the DVD commentary? Yeah, I sat down with some, with some people. Crew came by and, and we did a little interview. And there is a version of it, I guess. There's like the Panty Raid edition that has the first two movies in it. And there's commentary there or not not like the running commentary throughout the movie but i did an interview for that that's featured in the in the um in that edition of just a couple last questions how as you as a child actor how did you turn out completely normal (laughs) you you, you, that you did not get the child actor curse definitely not completely normal well Uh, as normal as all our group of friends kind of normal yeah 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 i didn't I didn't end up going to L.A. and living that life. I think uh, if I had gone in, into L.A. when I, in my, you know, mid early 20s or mid 20s, I might have, you know, embraced that whole lifestyle. But, you know, I'm a New York guy and and I ended up uh, in a different on a different trajectory. I ended up trying to work. I thought it would be a good idea to work behind the camera, learn more about how that all works. So I went to NYU film school and and did a lot of jobs behind the camera and worked as a grip and a, and a camera assistant and all those all those jobs for many years which was, it was fun and interesting to get a, a slice of that because I had sort of you know worked on all these sets and really sort of came to respect what all those people did and wanted to you know wanted to be a part of that experience I think those were my role models kind of you know growing up obviously the name of this podcast is comedy history 101 where do you think revenge of the nerds place is in comedy history that's an interesting question. You know, it was certainly a huge phenomenon. I think it's kind of got memory old in recent years. 
because of just how naughty and wrong it is. There was so I think it's fading maybe in the in the in the collective memory because it's a little too you know out of step with today's sensibility. <laughs> Couple of seeds that were, yeah. <laughs> I think that's going to be its strength ultimately. You know, people will revisit those things and and be like, this was a something that was quintessential to the '80s, unique to the time. You could they've they've tried to make a they've tried to do various reboots of it, or, or you know they've done sequels, but there was a there was a version of it they were going to make that actually went into production for two weeks until they they pulled the plug for who knows what reason. I think they realized they they couldn't really do it justice in today's climate kind of thing. I wrote a a, a sequel script or a reboot script and uh, shopped it around and and had some interesting feedback about the you know just how naughty the original was and how some people wanted to sort of make amends on the on some of the things that we you know we did wrong that we should be ashamed of now. But I think that's a terrible idea. Like, like part of the appeal of it is that you're sort of doing, you know, it, you're living vicariously in this way that you wouldn't normally be able to in real life. You know, a lot of it's because it's not real life, I think, that makes it fun. And, you know, you're sort of getting away with some things that maybe are sort of fantasy. So it's a, a vicarious fantasy, maybe. It's a very unique to its time, I think, and, uh, and quintessential 80s movie, for sure. <laughs> And how do you think the experience changed you? You know, it's hard to tell what would have become of me if I hadn't been a part of that or had, had an acting career or done some of the other work that I did. It's impossible to know, you know. It's definitely shaped me to, to make me, you know, who I am. And uh, in what ways, it's hard to tell. I don't know what I would be like if I didn't have that those experiences. They were so, I was so young. It was so formative. And in many ways, it's all I know. Uh, you know, it seems those things seem normal to me, but they were kind of uh, unusual experiences, not run of the mill. I didn't have a run of the mill childhood uh, when you when I look back on it, uh, even as much as I would like to have or, or would like to think that I had. Any other takeaways uh, from just the whole experience and or maybe just told me the takeaway? <laughs> it, it was an amazing time and I feel really lucky to have been a part of it for sure. You know, we had no idea that it, you know it would still resonate with people uh, you know this this far in the in the future it's almost 40 years ago you know that's a huge blessing that uh, that we made a little little movie that uh, that resonated with a lot of people and uh, and is still remembered so that that's a that's a really lucky thing cuz you know we were making it we were just making a movie and i don't think anybody thought like it was anything special or would certainly be talked about this far later so it's just a lucky thing that uh, that we lucked into. There was a lot of magic too. You know, you had a lot of great actors early on in their career who were, you know, just doing great work. And I think uh, I think they all took it very seriously. You know, it's a comedy. Could have been just another, you know, teen sex comedy, which it is. But you know, I think everybody who was working on it was very concerned about it having heart and having a story, having character arcs, and they just they weren't just there to have fun. They wanted to do good work. You know, you have a lot of great actors early in their career who are doing their, bringing their A game to it. And I think that's why it worked uh, so well. People really cared. The people who were making it really cared about it. Very cool. And it's also yeah. m memorialized on The Simpsons. 
too. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. He what screams, the, nerds, nerds, nerds. Nerds! <laughs> Marge, try to understand. There are two kinds of college students, jocks and nerds. As a jock, it is my duty to give nerds a hard time. But I love The Simpsons. The Simpsons yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I clearly remember an episode where Homer's screaming nerds. Family Guy did it. Yeah, they did a bit, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> what, what, what was the bit? I think in the end credits, they did an homage to the to the dance number, rap number that, that we did. So they had the whole set of music and everything like that. And uh, all the characters from Family Guy were were characters in the in the thing. And... You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Andrew, thank you so much. Any, anything you would like to plug? I'm playing a lot of music now, as you know. Um, I thought that uh, your your storytelling uh, night, the tale, was a great uh, great fun, and I'm so honored that you asked me to be a part of that. And that was a great great time that i had and so i'm doing a lot of gigs like that now just little things here and there i don't have anything to plug uh uh specifically but uh but you know uh check out my instagram uh you know there'll be there'll be music gigs coming up uh i'm playing you know three nights a week here or there trying to try to do this kind of thing and really getting back into music which i had had been doing when i was uh i guess 14 or 15 and in my early days sort of lost touch with that and through Johnny, who we were talking about earlier, um, I saw him do tail and he invited me down to that. And I was like, oh, it was so great. And we we uh, we connected on music. So we have a few projects that we're working on. And and so just getting way into music and songwriting and, and really enjoying that. Excellent. Well, Andrew, thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. I hope our paths cross soon in New York. So thanks. Thanks. Thanks again. Armin, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. And that wraps up our episode for today on the history of Revenge of the Nerds. Once again, take some time to like, subscribe, and comment on Comedy History 101. And we will read your comments right here on the podcast, such as this. We got some listener mail from John Breeson on Seinfeld's Michael Richards' infamous meltdown with comedian Freddie Lockhart. John writes, fun stuff. Love the locker room talk. Thanks, John. I appreciate the comment. And that wraps up our episode for today. And until next time, bye-bye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. I'm trying to use the phone. Excuse me. Comedy History 101.